1: Greenie with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: All right, back and better than ever. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, we have such a wide array of areas that we can go today and will go today. The NBA season tips off tonight. We'll have plenty of that. We had a game seven in baseball last night and another one coming tonight. All that is in the hopper, but we'll start with the football. My guys are here. Here we go. Only one place to start.
3: Bernie, back to pass, him and he needs to sack him. He loops it over the middle. Intercepted! Yes! The Vikings beat the Niners! People made plays, stepped up. Can't say enough
4: about what our defense did. Great turnovers, and uh, a lot of guys making plays. Had right, a real
2: surprise on Monday Night Football. Back-to-back weeks, it was not a San Francisco treat. Niners knocked off by Minnesota. Don't look now. The Vikings, the season ended today. They're only one game out of a playoff spot in the NFC. So sometimes we forget just how long a football season is because there were so few games. Sometimes we think a football season is short. A football season is long. And then I remember when the Vikings were done and finished and over and now they're not. I remember when the Niners were head and shoulders, the best team in the NFL. The question, Dominique Foxworth, is, are they still?
5: No. No. I don't think they are. I think uh, we saw what the Eagles did, and I, I feel a bit like prisoner of the moment, except the moment has been so long for the Eagles all the way to the last year. They're the best team in the NFC. They play well enough to win that Super Bowl without a, a little bit of – I mean, they were close enough that the randomness of the Super Bowl matters with the fumble picked up for a touchdown. And then they've been a little up and down this year, but it seems like when they really need to in the big, important games, they remind us that they're really big and strong and deep up front especially on the defensive line and that's the difference the depth is the difference to me between the eagles and the 49ers because as you mentioned football season is long and the team that you have right now is not going to be the team that you have at week 18 it's not going to be the same team in the divisional or the championship round there are going to be guys who fall off or get hurt and the eagles are so deep on the defensive line which is the strength of their mm-hmm. defense probably that it kind of feels like it's not going to matter. You know there's going to be four or five guys that are yeah. going to be hell to deal with, no matter who is healthy at that
6: point.
2: That's neat. Graziano is here, too. And the Eagles got better yeah. yesterday as well. Made the back
6: end of their defense better, picking up Kevin Byard, the safety from the Tennessee Titans, in a big move a week before the trade deadline. So sort of Howie Roseman does it again, oh. right? Never content to just, to just uh, be good. They want to be great. They want to be Super Bowl great, and, and they're determined to do that. They came up... One game short of a title last year, and they want to make sure and fix that. But to that point, the Chiefs are still the best team, right? Like, the Chiefs are 6-1. and one. Like, we're not really paying much attention. We're They're used really to it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, just, to, I just think yeah. until somebody beats them, I think that's that's. They've lost the best one point.
2: game by one point at yeah. home, without, on, you know, the start to the season. Without Kelsey. Sort of. And Chris Jones. And Chris Jones, yeah. So The one thing I'll say about them, still though, you good. talk about being dependent on one person. Well... If Travis Kelsey should get hurt and, yeah. and, and be out, yeah. that could change everything. I mean, every team is dependent on the quarterback, but they, they are more Kelsey-dependent than pretty much anybody. Right? They are, especially the passing game. But the thing I like about the Chiefs, like, if you look
6: at last year – you talk about a team is not the same at the end of the year as it was at the beginning. The great thing the Chiefs did last year was in-season development of those young guys on defense, particularly the back end of the defense. So by the time they're in the playoffs and the Super Bowl, those guys are making massive plays for them that they weren't capable of making probably last September. I think they have the opportunity to do something similar with their offense, with these young receivers that they have. They have a young running nice. back, obviously. So I think if you're it, they, the Chiefs have shown us the ability – Uh, of that coaching staff and that leadership structure to develop guys as the season goes along. Meanwhile, they're winning every game, uh, and so they have set up with a nice cushion in their division. uh, So I think they're set up to to execute what they did last year on defense, but on the offensive side. So if they do lose, Kelsey, maybe... You know, a Rasheed Rice or a Sky Moore yeah. or a Kadarius Tony might be more capable of helping out down the road.
5: I like I like the way that Rice is playing. However, it does really feel like when they need a big play. Of course, <laughs> you know. So that, that's that's it. Hasn't always felt like that. It seems like it's more and more dependent on him. So I I, I agree with you that it's possible they can get better. And Trent McDuffie is playing incredible yep. in the slot on the defensive side of the ball. So the offensive guys can do a similar thing, and it really helps when Patrick Mahomes is throwing you the ball. And if they can protect him. It feels yeah. like it almost doesn't matter who's out there. He's going to find a way to make some magic happen.
2: Sorry, we we kind of sidetracked. No, the whole but I mean, that's good. Look, I mean, I, I, I there's nothing. Let's put it this way: there well, are I no did. hard fast rules in life, but there's nothing wrong with talking about Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he's you know, I've been watching the game fifty years, yeah, and and I don't pretend to know all the nuances the way Nick you do and, and others who played it and coached it, but I certainly have seen as much of it as just about anybody. Yeah. I'd have never seen anybody like him. The first half against the Chargers, and part of that might have been whatever the Chargers were doing defensively, which was confusing. (laughs) Tony Romo, I thought, was going to go out of the booth and fire the defensive coordinator in that first half. But Mahomes like Bruce brought it to another level. I've never seen anything like it. He's ridiculous. The, the thing
5: th- I'm sorry, th- go ahead. No, please. The thing about Patrick Mahomes is not that he is better than anyone else that I've ever seen. It's that he's better more often. Right. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like Aaron Rodgers. It, it reminds me of peak Aaron Rodgers. Except he's done it since day one and he's never really had a bad season. He doesn't have too many bad weeks in a row. Like I feel like the first three two or three seasons he didn't go without having a below average QBR. And like he he's a an anomaly in so many different ways and I, I I wrote a piece on him a while ago his second year and I remember when I was doing research on it I discovered that he was bad in play action, which no quarterback is. Right. All the way back to college, his QBR in play action versus regular dropback is worse. And that's just like mind-blowing. It doesn't yeah. make sense cuz Play action for every quarterback. Our best quarterback. It's play po- action is a tre- supposed to help cheat code. You. Yeah. It's supposed to make things easier. Patrick Mahomes is the only person, and I haven't looked this year, but every year huh. since he was even at Texas Tech, it's just a weird thing watching him play. P- play action like makes him not bad. He's still above Aaron's quarterback, but he's worse than he is if you just give him a straight drop back.
6: We, we talk about guys that can keep their cool when the play breaks down, keep their <laughs> eyes downfield when the play breaks down. He looks like when the play breaks down, that's the best thing that's ever happened yeah. to him. Like, okay, I got this. I'm, at this moment, I'm better than anyone has ever been in the history of this sport and he is and he is and what and the, the the plays he makes off schedule and and his comfort level making them it just feels to me like he's operating on a completely different level than anybody else and that's and, the Kelsey
5: point I think too yeah. is
6: because part
5: of the reason why he's operating on that level is because Kelsey understands it too he finds yes. the spots and that's the scary part I think if you're a Chiefs fan that's the concerning part is you lose that and also his running ability yep it always really matters in the playoffs they haven't had a playoff run without him converting nope. a couple big third downs with this Legs.
2: Even on one good ankle. Yep. Yeah. Mahomes on a dead run to his right, on a dead run to his left, still throwing ridiculous balls. I, I, I believed they would make a move to fortify their receiving. I don't know if Nicole Hardman Probably. constitutes that. Is there another Probably one not. in the offing? I wouldn't be surprised if, if they still do that. I would not do either. That. Our Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit progressive.com. The beauty of doing a show like this is that I might have a bunch of stuff planned, but you could say something that jars something in my mind, and I'm just going to go there. So when you were talking about the Eagles and you were talking about what makes them so good, at the end of the day, and the quarterback is terrific and A.J. Brown is terrific, what makes them so good consistently year in, year out, is they are great on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And it just made me think if I was starting a team, if I, you know, and I do anticipate this will happen someday, I'll be a general manager in the NFL. And and if I'm tearing it down and starting over, doing one of those total rebuilds, I would draft – offensive and defensive linemen like the first two years just nothing practically nothing but and just build those up and and I, and I use my own uh memory and example there was a year when the Jets drafted two offensive linemen in the first round they had two offensive they had two first round picks and they took to Ferguson mm-hmm. a tackle and Nick Mangold a, a center mm, and you good. know what they were They were good for 10 years. For 10 years, the Jets were good. Yes, they never won the championship, but they were good year in and year out, and that was the foundation of it. That's the most important thing in football. Yeah,
5: I mean, it's the argument that I always make when we talk about quarterback development is you need to find ways to buy your quarterback time. There's only once every 10, 15 years, there's somebody that we all know is going to be great at the top of the draft. And like you think of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you don't pass on that, but by and large, I don't think it's wise to think that you're going to you're going to draft your savior at the number one, number two, number three overall pick, What you're much better off doing. If you look at this, is true for most quarterbacks in this league is if you find ways to support them and take pressure off of them for the first three, four years of their career. If they are able to stay afloat long enough to get comfortable and add a new thing to their game every year, that's how you build a quarterback. No one's drafted in this league without having skills and talent and the ability to play. The reason why I think a lot of them fail is because they're put into these situations where they're expected to fix it. And even if you have a bad quarterback, a great offensive line will make him a mediocre quarterback. If you have a mediocre quarterback, a great offensive line will make him good. And if you have a great quarterback, then you're winning Super Bowls if you give him a great offensive line. The one thing that you can always do is protect him, and you're going to be so much better. And the same is true for defense. If you crush him up front, it makes everyone in the back end a little bit better.
6: I I mean, I've talked over the years to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott about how they built out this Bills roster, right? And their whole thing was, by the time we have the quarterback, we want him to be in the best possible position to succeed. So you saw them build up the lines, right? And and yeah, when Josh Allen got there they still had work to do at receiver, but the key was the lines. And they felt like and, and Howie Roseman, I mean since since Andy Reid was the coach, their their whole philosophy has been we need to be strong and deep on both lines. We want to be deep on the defensive line so that the guys we're running out there in the fourth quarter are fresher than the guys they're playing against. That has been their organizational philosophy for more than a decade, and it's obviously paid off. They've been one of the better teams. So, yeah, I, I think that's it can be boring on draft day, right, when your team drafts an offensive lineman, but uh, that's
2: a nice kind of boring, knowing that's locked down for a decade. You know, what? that draft, the one where the Jets took those two linemen, I remember uh, Mike and I hosted that draft with the late, great, God bless him, John Clayton. The three of us were the wow. hosts on ESPN mm-hmm. Radio. And I remember John was saying, well, that's about as sexy as a bathrobe. I, he just kept saying that was his line. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a good line. I, like <laughs> I love John. Wow. But, but he just kept, and then, um, but it turned out to be outstanding. I just, sure. I mean, the, the, over the next eight years, they won at least uh, eight games six times. So I, they were always at least good.
5: One of the things that I feel like maybe people would argue I was wrong about was I said Penny Sewell over Jamar Chase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that, that was, they made the right decision. But it sure seems like the Lions are comfortable with the choice yes. that they made yeah. because you see Jared Goff being protected. He's not a guy. He's not a great quarterback. He's probably an okay quarterback. Yeah. And in a, a situation where he's protected, he's good. The,
2: yep. the reason that the Jamar Chase pick is working out so well is because they have the quarterback. Right.
5: right. If you don't they have, have a the quarterback,
2: guy. then Penny Sewell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He'll make your no. bad quarterback better.
5: Yeah. The, um, Bengals is the one situation where it felt like a number one overall pick. You dropped him in a situation and everything got better. Yes. Just about every other quarterback was that we have in the league now that's good was in a good situation to start yeah,
6: with. Except for Trevor Lawrence, who had the Urban Meyer thing going on. Yeah. But uh, well, hopefully we'll all forget yeah, Trevor that. Trevor Lawrence isn't
5: on that level yet, though. But he was... I really
6: hope that Jeff Saturday's not listening to this, by the way. He could come in with a big head about this offensive line talk.
5: Oh, gosh, we've had these conversations in the past in private. It's not fun because he's so arrogant about his offensive line play. And That's they are true. important, and I, it's hard to argue that they're not.
2: Can I tell you one quick story before I let you guys go about that? So the night before that draft, we're having dinner, the group of us that are doing the NFL draft on the radio the following day. And it's me, Golick and whoever the production, you know, probably yeah. four or five production people, mm-hmm. and we're waiting for John Clayton, and he was late. And we are having dinner, and I had a steak. And Mike had a steak and I forget what everyone else had. And then at one point we're eating and Mike looks up and he points across the room and goes, oh, John's here. There he is. And I look up and John is not actually there. And I look down and Mike has taken his (laughs) fork. He has taken and taken my steak off of my plate and ate it. 100% true story. I had to order another one. (laughs) He's such a bully. True story. (laughs) Ate my steak. How about that? John Clayton. He used John Clayton as he used a John Clayton as the fake out. Uh, exactly right. I, I got psyched out. I fell for the okey doke. I fell for the professor. It's like, oh, there's John, and I literally look and I looked at it, and that's it. And well, he knows that once his fork has been in it, I mean, I'm not going to oh, want right. it anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In,
5: in his defense, I think what he was doing was being polite. Because I don't think he needed to distract you. He gave you <laughs> he an out. Just, he could have <laughs> just went yeah. over there and grabbed it. He was being a kind man. He's like, hey, look over there. Now you can look at your friends oh. and say, man, he tricked me. Yeah. He didn't bully me. I don't know if
2: I can get all the way to kind, I but for I guess one. I can see your point. <laughs> Anyway, all right, got you the best. Thank you, Nick. I'll see you tomorrow. Graz, yes, I'll see you Friday. Graz has Giants Jets this weekend. I do. a home Battle game. for New York. A home game for Graziano. Yeah. Huge game for the Jets. I like it. it huge is. game for the Jets. I will talk about it as the week goes on, guys. Thank you. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Coming up, we will explain why right now. This is a moment you absolutely need to treasure. That's next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com, or just stop by.
4: H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
2: All right, we roll along. The assembled members of the hashtag crew have assembled around me. Hembo is here. Bubba and Cam are in Bristol. We had uh, the football guys in here for a few minutes, Dominique and Dan Graziano. We'll have Brian Windhorst doing some NBA coming up in a little while. And that brings us to why this is a moment to treasure. I think an argument could be made that this is the best individual week of the sports calendar. I present for you the following NFL, week seven, Monday night football. We got the game Thursday night, Thursday night football. Obviously, any week that involves the NFL, we're in a good place. Any week that involves college football, we're in a good place. Major League Baseball, we had a game seven last night. We have another one tonight, and then the World Series starts this weekend. The NBA season starts tonight. The Lakers are playing, the Nuggets are playing, the Suns are playing, the Warriors are playing. Actions here on ESPN radio. But wait, there's more. The NHL in full swing. And tonight we will be debuting Frozen Frenzy. All 32 NHL teams are in action. And my buddy Bucci Grass is going to host what we're calling Frozen Frenzy which is the NHL's version of the Red Zone, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Tonight, that's on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. So I would argue, Hembo, this is the best week of the sports here.
0: Yeah, you're not going to get an argument out of me. This is a great time to know sports and to love sports. I think October is the best month on the sporting calendar, and this time specifically is really the sweet spot. I'm a little surprised, though, that, that you're going with right now, because I would have expected you, of all people to choose that first week in April. Where you get the Masters, you get the National Championship in college um, basketball, you get the end of the NBA and NHL seasons, you get the beginning of baseball, that would have been my guess for your pick
2: because of the golf. And the Masters. Yeah, right. that's right there. So, I mean, this is something that c- can be debated and, in fact, will be debated in our upcoming book, which we'll have plenty of time to talk about. Um, but I would make an argument right now, because it involves football, mm. and anything that involves football is, generally speaking, always better, um, that is where it will begin, speaking a football.
1: I'm sorry. What?
2: what, what, what? I'm sorry. What, what? I'm sorry.
1: What? I'm sorry. What?
2: A. Aaron. Last night, Manning cast Peyton and Eli talking about coming back.
7: I think for me, you always have to set a goal. Otherwise, you go kind of crazy. And and so the goal is to definitely come back. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into that, oh. but um, I got to you know get to a point where I can protect myself and, and do what I do. But you know, to me, throwing the field was just a way to feel normal you know when you're away from the team and you're separated being on the injured reserve list anything you can do to make it feel like you're kind of a part of it for me it was just kind of getting back out there and messing around in the pre pregame warm-ups you I mean, I have to be able to walk out there without crutches and, and uh, throw a ball around a little bit so that that gave me a jolt and you know i'm just just uh having the mindset with my rehab every day to to hopefully come back at some point
2: gave me a jolt too He actually said the words during that conversation with Peyton and Eli, which was excellent, by the way. He said, I'd love to come back this year. He doesn't know if he can. He's unquestionably trying to. I continue to say I think it is a real possibility, and I think the Jets are going to give him the chance to do it. Look, let's face it everything came up greeny this weekend. The Bills lost. The Dolphins lost. The Jets are playing the Giants this weekend, who will no longer be in just utter desperation after having won a game. It won't feel quite as desperate in this battle for New York. The Jets have the Giants, then the Chargers, then the Raiders coming up realistically they should win two of those three games maybe all three if they win all three of those games now you're six and three now your season is meaningful all the way through so I'm telling you right now if it is humanly possible he's gonna do it and I will remind you he's not human he's Aaron What do you think of this, Hembo? I, I feel like it is my
0: responsibility on this show to try and keep you grounded. I'm not here to like totally damper your uh, optimism or your hope, but I'm here to be pragmatic and say this has literally never been done before, and we're talking about like months and months and months it would need to be, to be ahead of schedule, but I'm with you. The Jets should be 5-4. and four. They should be playing meaningful games at the very, very end, and if the playoffs are a real possibility, who knows? Maybe he can perform a miracle.
2: All right, so if you're not able to listen to all two hours of our show today or any day, I'll remind you, you can catch-up. Both hours of the show available as the Greeny Podcast, available daily wherever you get your podcasts. I will also remind you, the Road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch every pitch of the postseason, including tonight's Game 7 on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
3: Seawall delivers. Got him looking ball game. Paul Seawall closes it out and the Arizona Diamondbacks here on the road at Citizens Bank Park have forced Game 7. 5-1 the So, going into
2: last night's Game 6 in Philadelphia, we knew two things. One, the Phillies never lose at home. Two, Aaron Nola has been spectacular in this postseason. Check one off the board, check two off the board, and now the Phillies are in a fight-for-your-life Game 7 scenario tonight. And Hembo says... I'm terrified.
0: I am absolutely terrified because the team that I watched play baseball yesterday was unlike the team that I watched play baseball up until yesterday. This postseason, the approach the Phillies had at the plate was as bad as it has been since they were no hit in the World Series last year. And that was my fault. We have established that. In Game 7 tonight, at home, in what is probably going to be a really tense ball—excuse pa- ball, uh, me, ballpark for some God-forsaken reason. Cam, I'm watching this game yesterday. Where is the home field advantage that I have been touting for my Philly faithful this whole month? As soon as the Diamondbacks sort of mounted that early lead, it was silent. They turned this madhouse into a mausoleum. Where are you? We have, all these, we have all these people now paying $500 to get into the stadium. These aren't the 700-level veteran stadium fans that, that I know and love, that I grew up with. The, the, the vibe in Citizens Bank Park yesterday was the, to, exactly to the contrary of what it needed to be. It had a meaningful effect on the outcome of that baseball game.
8: Cam,
2: were you disappointed in the fans last night in the ballpark?
8: I was disappointed in the fans. I was a lot more disappointed in the bats. Hembo put it very nicely. The Phillies were taking... Just awful at bats, like seemingly once they were down three, Aaron Nola put him in a bit of a hole, but he did settle down a bit. They had a chance to get back in that game. I would use a poker term to describe it. I think they were on tilt last night. It seemed like they were just swinging for the fences every time, just two pitches, and they would be flying out to center field almost every single at bat. It seemed like there was no patience at the plate, there was no waiting for your pitch. there was no all right, let's just settle down and get a get get back in this game, get one run. They were trying to do it all at once. Bad approach. They took the fans out of the game. Errol Kelly was really, really good, so not a good vibe going into tonight. I do still have some confidence that this team hasn't completely disappeared, but the Phillies have never been in a Game 7, so I don't really know what to expect tonight. Uh, Like Hembo said, it might be more tense than Mm. excited in the ballpark, and hopefully that doesn't lead to another disaster.
2: I'll mention that again to underline it for those who don't know. The Philadelphia Phillies are a franchise that was established in 1883. And this is the first time they've ever played in a game seven. Parenthetically, this is also the fourth time that both LCSs have gone seven games. And generally, they've been classics. Now, last night was not a classic. Um, the Rangers won easily. Adolis Garcia had maybe the best postseason series in the history of the... Is it fair to say he had the best postseason series in the history of the sport? It's he on the short list. 15 runs. It's on the short list. He drove in 12 runs in the last 3
0: games. It's the only time ever someone's hit 4 home runs and uh, drove in 12 runs in any 3 game span in the playoffs in the history of the playoffs since since 1903.
2: That guy was unbelievable. So I'm trying to remember them so 03 this happened. That was the year of the Aaron Bliep and Boone mm-hmm. and the uh the, the the Cubs game where with um, what's his name Baldwin. Bartman. Yeah. yeah. So that that's probably the most epic pair of game 7s. That you'll ever get. Although the Bartman game was Game Six, mm-hmm. um, but still, that was pretty epic. Oh, four is the following year. That was when the Red Sox came from three nothing down to beat the Yankees. And the other series, oh, that was that the Marlins and the Josh Beckett series coming back to beat. No, mm-hmm. that was, that a- oh, that was a- the Cardinals. Cardinals. That was the Car- right because the Marlins would have made it the previous year and played the Yankees. Cardinals,
8: Astros, I believe.
2: I'm trying to remember the particulars That's of right. the series. Was that the was. Cardinals Astros was Clemens on that was was that when the Astros had like Clemens and a bunch of those guys he would have still been in New York. W- yes, did that, he go that was there? the
0: series that remember Albert Pujols hit that. Yeah, that was the Lidge the, the home run off of Lidge, Lidge, right? No, that was 05 o- over the train tracks. That was not that series. Yeah,
2: that was the next because year. People often forget back to back years. Yeah, the Cardinals Astros. that series. So was that Brad Lidge over Troubled Water? Yeah, the great the greatest <laughs> song
7: of
8: all time.
2: Mm-hmm. That but, might but, have been a different year. ever right. The Phillies might
8: need Brad Lidge tonight.
2: And and then uh, it happened again in 2020, which would have been the the, the, the COVID
0: year. Yeah, the Dodgers over the the Braves, and then and then Tampa uh, advanced to, to go to the World Series. That one's uh, obviously less memorable than than 03 and 04.
2: Okay, as we continue diving into these games and all the rest of it in the Phillies, I want to admit something. It hurts me to do this because this is so embarrassing, Bubba. You're not going to believe <laughs> what happened this morning, but it did. So Hembo and I are in the office now. If you were following Hembo on Twitter, first off, God help you. His Twitter is literally a never-ending array of ancient baseball statistics. But he's tweeting something about Jose Altuve after I guess this would have been Game Four of that series, which was the game that Altuve hit the home run that won the series, or that won the the game, a Game Five, oh, five, yeah, what, it was whatever game. game five, it was. yeah. It doesn't matter. He's tweeting something about Altuve, and he's He's placing Altuve on the list of the greatest second baseman of all time. Right. And, and then because he's Hembo, he then tweets his list of the top 10 second basemen of that. all time. I saw that. Yeah, saw that. And he puts Chase Utley 10th. So I'm perusing the list, trying to find Nellie Fox. On this list, let the record show. I worked in Chicago for 11 years. I worked, the, the, the star of our radio station was a lifelong die-hard White Sox fan. I know everything there was to know about Nellie Fox. So I, and he's not on the list. So I tweet at Hembo: there's no way in the world Chase Utley is a better player than Nellie Fox. You should rename your dog Nellie because he named his dog Chase after Chase Utley. And I'm accusing him of only putting Chase Utley on that list ahead of Nellie Fox because of his fandom. Oh, for sure. But I want you to know that this morning in the office, we got into about, I'm not exaggerating this, a 10-minute debate over who was a better player, Chase Utley or Nellie Fox. And then I said two things. One, we need to do this on the air. And then I said, although actually... There is literally not another human being on the face of planet Earth who is interested in this debate. (laughs) We spent 10 minutes debating Nellie Fox, a second baseman from the 50s, against Chase Utley, which one of them had a greater career. If that's not the saddest (laughs) expenditure of 10 minutes that has ever taken place in the history of civilization, I don't know what is. Bubba, what do you say to this?
7: I mean, it sounds like Hembo was in his glory. I mean, he must have loved those oh, 10 minutes. And, he was so ready. And yeah, I mean, he he's upset that we're not having this conversation further on the air. Yeah, I mean, Nelly, fought, I mean, I saw the list, and he clearly is putting Chase Sutley on there because, yeah, he named his dog Chase. Not he, true. There's no way Chase Sutley is better than Jeff Kent. That You're telling me. And
2: neither of them are better than Nellie Fox. Nellie Fox was an all-star 15 times.
0: Oh, I don't care how many times he was an all-star. You don't care how
2: many times he was the best second baseman in his league? As
0: judged by the people that voted on that stuff and elected them at the time. That's
2: The same people who were voting on that stuff and electing them now. There
0: is nothing on a baseball field that Nellie Fox did better than Chase Utley. Not
2: one thing. Literally everything. They just played a different game then. It was a different sport. He never struck out. Literally
0: never. Okay, there's nothing meaningful that Nellie Fox did on a baseball field better than Chase Huntley.
2: What do you mean meaningful? They thought that it was meaningful not to strike out Chase Huntley
0: was a much better hitter, a better base runner, a better fielder.
2: He was, he was just, better at everything. He was not better relative to his time than Nellie Fox was to his. He produced like 15 more war in way fewer games. He was a much better player than Nellie Fox. There's though. just no way. Nellie Fox was one of the two best, at minimum, second basemen in the sport for 15 years. Was Chase Utley ever at any point the best second baseman in baseball? Absolutely. How was. many, for how many, what years? Probably a five to seven years. Yeah. Uh, the years, who, was, who were his contemporaries? Like, uh, Dustin Pedroia, Robinson
0: Cano, Brandon Phillips. Ian Kinsler, that, that crew of Jeff players. Kent? Jeff Kent? Jeff Kent's more of a predecessor to Chase Udley.
2: Th- their careers wouldn't line up pretty closely with each other? I mean, Jeff Kent was a slightly... Would Roberto Alomar's career line up with Chase Udley?
0: Yes, and I have him eighth on my
2: list, um, and I have Frankie Fresh ninth. <laughs> <laughs> so you see what I mean? Like, this is how we spend our time, people!
7: I mean, Jeff Kent leads him in every single category except for war.
0: Oh, Except for the most important
7: stat. So all all you're going by is the war. No, not
8: all I'm going by. That and your fandom. Once you guys are arguing this, you're already losing. If you're arguing with free free about Nelly Fox and Chase Sutley, he's winning.
2: Well, we know why he's on there. See, this is so sad. Like, the the people are living their lives, and we're having this conversation. Let me ask a question. This would be an interesting poll. (laughs) Is there literally anyone interested— and who was a greater player, Nellie Fox or Chase Utley? If you're listening to the show. Oh, I think baseball
7: diehards are upset with his list. I I think there are.
2: I think that's true, too. I'm trying to defend Mets legend Jeff Kent here. Call so. Chris Russo. People get, are upset. Get Russo on the phone. Call Chris Russo and just ask him. I'm just going to text him. I'm just going to text Chris Russo right now. Yeah, this sounds my phone? I'm texting Chris Russo right now. Who was a greater player historically? I think he'll
0: say Nellie Fox was for a lot of the same antiquated reasons that you provided. Yeah. Anyone oh. before 1960 is thumbs up in Chris and Russo's he, he's book. Also, he's going to be outraged that I have Utley over Jeff Ken.
2: Who was a greater player? Nellie Fox. I'm literally texting. Are you kidding this. me?
0: The fact that this is on our topic bar on the show means or that Chase I have Utley. I can retire today a happy man. The fact that this the, then was you aired.
2: ask
7: you should ask him where does he have Chase That's Utley ranked? That's all I put.
2: I just put who was a greater mm-hmm. player, Nelly Fox or Chase Utley, and hit send. That's it. I have sent it. You didn't provide any like context? no context.
8: <laughs> He's not going to question it at all. He's going to be like, well, oh, Mike. The, my the last to know time something. I texted him was yeah, in please.
2: May. <laughs> <laughs> We have not. We have not texted in the last whatever that is five months. He, he texted Nelly Fox. me. Well, he actually texted me a screenshot of Steph Curry and wrote, "He's no Larry Bird." <laughs> I, I just can't believe he did a
7: screenshot. So these
2: are the relationships that, that this is the relationship that Chris Russo and I have. So I have sent this to him. I don't have little dots or anything. I don't know if he has gotten it yet. It has been delivered. I'll send it to Costas next, and then and then you are going to have nowhere to go. You are going to know that I am right on this because they're both. But I bet go Keith Costas yeah, agrees with I'm me. going to send it to Keith. <laughs> Having just said all of this, let me ask you a couple of quick baseball questions that are actually relevant to this <laughs> century. Is the series that Adolis Garcia just had is it the best series in the history of baseball?
0: Uh, no, but it's on the short list to, to What the- are the best series? It wasn't in
2: the. It didn't happen in the World Series.
0: So right. if you're going to neutralize the context, you could definitely argue that
2: it was. I'm asking you about a game, about a seven-game baseball series.
0: No, I think. I mean, Reggie Jackson in 1977, Roberto Clemente in 1971, Brooks Robinson in 1970. Yeah, we just brush
7: off what Reggie Jackson did, though, right? Because it didn't really matter. Hey,
0: Chase Utley hit five homers in a World Series too. <laughs> what Adolis Garcia just did though is remarkable, and like I think what happened actually is very instructive and important. Because what he did, I thought, in Game 5 was, was curse the baseball gods. When he, after being plunked after uh, a ridiculous home run celebration, decided to take umbrage with this, and like all hell broke loose in that game. And yet he comes back, hits more homers, drives in way more runs, and wins MVP of the series. That was the baseball gods shining their light on the, on the pimping stuff. I mean, this guy's pimping singles, Greeny. What, what Garcia did was remarkable. It was incredible. It's a really, really good story. And for, for, for it to be him on a team with Corey Seager and Marcus Semien was a bit of a surprise, but the guy, that guy carried them the last three games of that series with four homers and 12 RBI.
2: And, and, and so then just give me the key to tonight, your fandom aside, your nerves aside, your ballpark aside, what will decide tonight Arizona and Philly game set?
0: How many outs can Rangers Suarez get? Rangers Suarez is the Philly starting pitcher tonight, Greeny, and I have an insane, remarkable statistic to give you. So there are 248 pitchers in the history of baseball that have started five postseason games. Okay. There are 248 of those guys. The one with the third-best ERA is Christy Matheson. The one with the second-best ERA is Sandy Koufax. Hmm. And the one with the best ERA is Ranger Suarez. He's got a .94 ERA in his postseason career. If he can get us 15 outs, the Phillies are going to wave that flag.
2: All right. It's our Progressive MLB Snapshot brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and (music) Progressive.com. nothing from Russo Trivia.
0: Speaking of Game 7s,
2: which pitcher has the most career strikeouts in Game 7s? Pitcher, most career strikeouts, Game 7s. Answer next, ESPN Radio.
3: To connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative legal and administrative and customer support at Robert half. We know talent visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Greeny the podcast.
2: Any with you on ESPN radio. You can be a part of greenie nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. ESPN nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season, Without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve, Windy is somewhere around here. He's going to jump in top of the hour with the NBA season starting tonight. By the way, no text yet, no response from Chris Russo. Uh, so I'm going to text his producer and tell him to tell Chris to check his phone. Chris is the kind of guy who might go three hours without looking at his phone. So I'm texting Eddie Erickson right now to tell him, tell Dog he has a text. He might get back to me immediately. In the meantime.
6: Wow. Okay, and how are your trivia skills?
1: This is Sneaky Hembo
7: trivia.
6: Regular Sneaky or extra Sneaky? All
2: right. This is this is torturing me. This is very difficult. It's a very hard question, Hembo. Go ahead with today's
0: trivia. Which pitcher has the most career strikeouts in game
2: sevens? Which pitcher has the most career strikeouts in game sevens? So my thinking, guys, is that it it it, it should not go back. Prior to 1969, they're just right. You only had the option of pl- pitching in one Game Seven every single year before that. So the Sandy Koufaxes, the Bob Gibsons, the Whitey Fords, the other great pitchers of, of days before that, I I, I I probably will regret this, but I have dismissed them because I just feel like there are guys who would have had the chance to pitch so many more Game Sevens. I then found myself thinking about relief pitchers because they might have pitched in more Game 7s than the starters and actually struck out a lot of people. So I thought of Mariano Rivera. That was the name that actually jumped to my mind. But as I quickly mentally went through it, I don't feel like they played that many Game 7s, the Yankees, during that time. But I feel like they did. I'm really struggling here, guys. You want to, you want to combine uh, forces here and try and guess together?
8: I mean, I've got a guess. I yeah. just, what is your you know. guess?
2: John Smoltz. That's not bad. Yeah, John Smoltz is not bad.
7: Of Do we have a guess from Brandon, too, by the S- way? Smoltz? No?
2: Yeah, Brandon's going to start playing. What is Brandon's guess? Brandon is guessing Mariano wow. Rivera. Cam is guessing John Smoltz. Ah, Bubba, you want to go with Smoltz like in, in some sort of solidarity with him? The other one I was actually thinking of, believe it or not, is Goose Gossage, who I think would have I don't know how many game sevens they played then either. Like, you're not counting like winner take all games, right? Yeah. So best of fives don't count. They don't count. Oh well, then the, the, that was best of five then anyway. And this forget about the seventies. When did the LCS become 75 I think eighty five. So it's I, I'm going to place the date here. I actually think Smoltz is a good one. He pitched that whole game against against Jack Morris. He probably would have pitched other ones. I like it. I'm going to go Smoltz, too. What do you think? Want to <laughs> I mean, go Smoltz, in
7: solidarity? Smoltz was my first thought.
2: Let's go, boys. Let's go, boys. All right, we're going to go John Smoltz is the three of us. Brandon is going with Mariano Rivera. Hembo. The correct answer is Bob Gibson. Oh, my God oh. Bob, how many game sevens did he
0: Come pick? on. Uh, Bob Gibson had 27 strikeouts in three game sets. Oh, my goodness. He had three. John Smoltz had 16 strikeouts. That's tied for second. So it's a very good guess. Tied with Uh, who? Tied with Roger Clemens and Lance McCullers Jr. Lance
2: McCullers? Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, played a lot of games. I'm just saying. I just would not have taken me a while to guess him. What did Rich say? Jack Morris. He said Jack Morris was. I mean, not a bad game. Yeah, the one, but it was only eight. That's the only game mm-hmm. s- seven that he pitched in. All right, I still- thought for sure you'd get that right. Still nothing from Chris Russo. <laughs> Let the record show. W- when did he text you last? It was May. May. You'll hear from him next May. <laughs> no, I know. I- I- I'm going to call him in the next break, uh, or I'll write him a letter. What do you think? What do we think? I'll get a faster response to from Chris Russo if I actually wrote him a letter and put it in the mail. Or texting. I
0: think you'll have to call the Metro North conductor. <laughs>
8: telegram. <laughs> <the> train?
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. Go
0: with the telegram.
2: Uh, don't forget, the NBA is back. Uh, Tune in tonight. The Nuggets hosting LeBron and the Lakers coverage, 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app again. Windy top of the hour um, with all of the NBA preview you could ever possibly want. In the meantime, the scoop. Could Michigan actually be in real trouble? So the allegations against Jim Harbaugh's Michigan program are coming more into focus. So they surround someone appropriately named Connor Stallions. Perfect. What a name. Perfect. What a name to be in the middle of some sort of scandal like this. He is a Michigan staffer who has been suspended. He is the one who was at the center of the NCAA's sign-stealing probe. Well, ESPN is reporting that Connor Stallions purchased tickets in his own name for more than 30 games over the past three years at 11 different Big Ten schools. The scope of the alleged sign stealing operation includes both video evidence of electronics prohibited by the NCAA to steal signs and a significant paper trail, according to our reporting. Stallions forwarded the tickets he bought to at least three different people in different areas of the country, sources say, which hints at the breadth of the observation. The NCAA is expected to receive all this video evidence at some point relatively soon. This is going to take a little time. Officials around the Big Ten are upset, according to sources, as allegations of this type of coordinated and orchestrated capturing of signals looms as distinctly different allegations than the gamesmanship of attempting to decode signals from across the sideline. So we'll see. Look, Michigan, this is going to play itself out. I've made myself fairly clear on this. I think the idea that this is against the rules is ludicrous. These are people doing things in plain sight of tens of thousands of people every single week. The, the the idea that these should not be hidden or disguised in such a way that they are not identifiable by anyone just by videotaping them, the difference between just watching them with the naked eye and videotaping them strikes me as ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. That said, obviously the world doesn't. The entire football world thinks this is real. This is spygate. This is real. So that the questions are really two that are going to rise here. One, is Michigan going to get whacked? And if they do, will that lead Jim Harbaugh to go to the NFL? The second is, will people who don't like Jim, and we both know there are a lot of them, use this to try to discredit what he has accomplished by saying that what we're hearing about this in this in the scope of this investigation dates back basically to the beginning of the time that his team took a huge jump in how well they were competing.
0: Yeah, I think you have this right. When this news originally broke, I kind of thought it was a nothing burger, that we were making into a something burger because Jim Harbaugh was the one at the epicenter of it. The more I've read and the more information I've collected, Greeny, I think this has become or is going to become an absolutely massive deal. Yes. I think we're going to see the sort of the end of Jim Harbaugh and Michigan as a result. I think you could see vacated wins. I think you could see scholarship reductions. I don't think anything is off the table if this winds up hitting the way that I expect. Yeah, I'm
2: with you. Again, I don't think it should, but they don't ask me my opinion on these things. Windy off the top of the hour, ESPN Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.
3: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, and technology